Hello and welcome to another episode of Win the Win Daily Show. Man, I got to get the name of the show right at least, right? The Win Daily Show. And today I have good friend of the company, Gary Lewis on. He is a former professional soccer player. He is a handicapper at Pro Soccer Weekly. He's a partner at PSA Elite as well as coach and development at Apex Management Pathways. Gary, how you doing today, man? Good evening, Michael. Yeah, everything's good, buddy. Everything's really good. Um, the weather's changed over in the UK, as we were saying before. Uh, back to normal Manchester weather, which is, um, you know, drizzle, some heavy rain, cloudy and dull, uh, which is a, you know, a typical British summer. So uh, we're just sort of trying to fight our way through the uh, the rain today. But everything's good, buddy. Premier League's back up and running. So, you know, things are starting to take a turn for the better over here, yes. definitely. As I told you before, I would trade soccer for weather. Uh, I trade sports, any sport for weather at this point in time because I've been stuck in my house anyway. So the weather really doesn't matter. It just depends if I have my windows open or my air conditioner on. So hopefully you're enjoying the heck out of that either way. So Gary, the first question I have for everybody on the Win Daily Show is, what do you do to make sure that you're winning each and every day? In terms of the the handicapping or just in, in terms general? of life, man? Yeah, give me give me. Well, I mean, term. you know, I've I've been involved in football my whole life. Um, I also I also run a coaching company as well, um, where we're working with um, sort of the younger end. Of, uh, of the age spe- spectrum over here um, with a lot of grassroots, with a lot of, lot of schools. I'm obviously a professional coach with um, with Oldham Athletic over here. I've been for the for the last 18 years. Uh, the last three months really have been um, just a case of keeping things going and, you know, devising new plans for the, for, for the players in terms of creating Google Classrooms and, um, you know, various um, games to analyse along with their own sort of physical um, regimes that they have to stick to and record on the uh, on the platform, and uh, and it's you know it's it, as bad as it's been. It's been kind of um, uh, an innovative time for for a lot of coaches, really. You know, sort of thinking outside the box, but you know, trying to maintain a steady balance of um, analysis and 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 technical training and video analysis of of you know specific positions and things like that. So you know, a lot of time has, has been spent. You know, obviously online um, we've done a lot of zoom um, zoom charts zoom coaching um, you know it's just been a case of trying to figure out the best way because obviously nobody's being allowed to see each other um, obviously the lockdown over here at the moment is is starting to gradually ease so we are able to start coaching again but only in groups of five and six per coach which logistically is a <clears throat> bit of a nightmare um, but you know kids are kids they want to be out. They want to be out training. So it's, it's it's been keeping everybody busy, really, Michael. It's been um, it's been it's been a tough time. Um, and obviously on the on the handicapping side, you know, I, I do an awful lot of analysis anyway, um, on a daily basis. You know, I'm always watching Sky Sports over here. I listen to the talk shows. You know, I follow all the trends and obviously do a lot of research on, um, you know, up and coming fixtures and things like that. And obviously having a feel for. For, for what's actually happening out there. You know, obviously, although, you know, the Bundesliga have, have, have definitely thrown a few <laughs> curveballs, as you guys like to say, over uh, over the last couple of weeks with a lot of teams down in tools, it seems. But um, no, it's been busy. It's been busy, which is which is a good thing. So I have to ask, I mean, you, you rattled off a bunch of stuff that you're doing, and we're going to talk about most of them, if not all of them, at some point during, you know, our conversation here. How do you... How do you make sure that your processes and your structure are in place so that you can not just do all these jobs, but do all of this at a very high level? 
Well, there's not enough hours in the day sometimes, that's for sure. I mean, as you can imagine, we, we, you know, the general soccer season over here is, you know, sort of typically between August and, and you know, any time in May. Um, so, you know, we have we have a structure, we have a syllabus that we stick to. Um, it's something that we, we agree on as a club um, or as clubs, and it's part of what we call the EPPP over in the UK, which is part of the the Football Association's Elite Performance Playing Program, uh, which basically guarantees lower clubs, um, you know, a couple of hundred thousand pounds per year of funding, you know, if everything's structured correctly. So we typically work on a sort of a six-week basis over here. We have sort of half terms in schools over here every six weeks. So, um, you know, we change our syllabuses every six weeks based on, you know, attacking, defending, um, whatever systems we're playing. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of video analysis and things like that. So, you know, I would imagine, you know, sort of for 23 hours out of the 24, it's all geared around, you know, what's what's going to be happening for the for the next week for the players. In terms of everything else, I mean, you know, I, I like to keep myself um, into a routine um, so I know where I am, you know, certain periods of the day and I know what time I've got spare to, you know, spend on. Obviously, the handicapping, the advising, um, you know, I'm constantly on the phone. We have other other interests away from soccer as well. So, you know, like I say, there's 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 not enough hours in the day. Sometimes, you know, we're, we're always glad for a break at the end of the season. Put it that way, and a well deserved break. And yeah, I'm sure you do have other hobbies, but you probably don't get to talk about them too much. And I don't really think we're going to talk about them too much no. here either today. But no, man, Gary, I appreciate you coming on again. Uh, you know, former soccer player. So I guess what was it like, like growing up? in in England in the UK and understanding and you know for here over here I'm I'm a big baseball fan so I always wanted to play for my favorite team the Mets what was it like for you growing up wanting to to play the sport of soccer and then actually eventually getting to the point of of being in that you know I'll call it farm system or, or those lower level leagues for a little while well my my father actually played uh professionally he was with Bolton Wanderers um, when they were in Division One, which would be, would be the the English Premier League these days, um, he also played for England um, as an under twenty three. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, we 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 were living probably two miles away from Old Trafford. Um, you know, as a as a as a kid, and you know, he introduced me to football. Basically, um, you know, avid Manchester United fan. Obviously, I followed in in his footsteps. You know, all my family were. Um, apart from my mother, who's from Liverpool, but she supports Everton, um, which is interesting at times. But um, I, I basically, basically, it's, it's a similar pathway to, you know, a lot of kids in the UK. Uh, there's a local team in, in in Salford, which is a city close by Manchester, um, and I was playing for them for two or three seasons. And uh, Brian Kidd, who who is the uh, one of the first team coaches at Man City, was actually a scout with Man United at the time. And I think I was eight years old, and myself and one of my um, one of my friends was was spotted, um, and it just sort of started from there, really. So you know, my first real um, introduction to academy football um, was with Manchester United at the age of eight, and uh, I was there for another sort of seven, eight years, and um, didn't quite make the grade at Man U. Um, you know, I was never going to be sort of tall enough to play as a as a striker. Um, I sort of moved my way back and then eventually ended up signing a four-year contract with a, a club called Stockport County who, who were in the championship at the time. You know, so they really give me um, my first opportunity into um, sort of the professional world. Um, you know, and, and and back in the day, obviously 20, 20 years ago, you, you know, you've got to sort of uh, hit the ground running. You know, it's you weren't really bred 
you know, sort of, you, you know, you take your time and you progress into the into the first team and things like that. You know, if you if you if you move from one club to the other, you know, you're expected to be sort of uh, almost ready. Um, you know, and and subsequently, you know, I had a good couple of seasons there, and um, you know, unfortunately, I was. Um, I was injured. It was just a complete freak accident. Just jumped up to control a, a ball, and and I landed in a in a, in a divot, and and my um, basically my right knee collapsed. You know, there was a dislocation of the kneecap and um, cruciate ligament, medial ligaments. There was there was all sorts of problems there. So, um, you know, that really finished my my career as a as a professional. I was twenty two years old. Man, that uh, obviously very unfortunate. You hear stories like that all the time. I just, uh, it, there's really nothing I can say to that. You know, just sucks. Like, you know, maybe, you know, a few years later with technology and medicine kind of doing its thing a little bit, hopefully those injuries don't, um, when they do occur, they aren't just immediately career ending. We see it in football sometimes where you, it used to be career ending and now it's not. So hopefully it's the same uh, for, for what, you know, that injury has done, but moving back in the story a little bit. So you, you grew up a men's men United fan and I, I promise I will not mistake men United for man city. I, I won't please do that. don't please I will don't. Not, I promise you that. <laughs> so, so growing up a man United fan and then at the age of eight, having a, a, a scout there and, and you know, like, at, do you really even know what the heck's going on at eight years old at that point? Cause I feel like you're kind of just playing soccer cause it's fun. And I'm sure your parents kind of knew what's happening, but what's going through your head and, and at what point did you finally realize like oh wait a second like I'm this is this is a little different than all the other kids at school right yeah I mean certainly in you know this day and age um you know everybody knows who's going to be at any particular yeah. game on any on any given Sunday um but, but obviously back back in the um sort of mid 80s you know the the infrastructure of, of football clubs wasn't anywhere near as what it is today you know in terms of recruitment and having a huge recruitment department and things like that and that was one of the um the biggest things that alex ferguson when he came over to uh to manchester was it was one of his first things was to create a recruiting uh, team which they would basically travel up and down the country and find the best or source the best players and then obviously bring them to manchester united um but no we had we had no no idea we had no idea who was playing and we didn't really care you know it was just a ball and it was us against them and you know that was sort of the um the mentality and the attitude that we had we were just happy to play and you know we had a we had a cracking team as well as um as sort of under eights under nines um you know so we we didn't really we didn't really have a clue who who was there you know I was absolutely over the moon to get the uh the letter through the door you know it was all official you know so um you know we couldn't sort of deny it um and the good thing was I was I was there with with one of my best friends through uh, through soccer as well so um no it was we had we had no idea we had no idea what what was happening on you know off the field and we just went and and did our thing on the pitch isn't that nice the naivety of an 8 year old right it's so much yeah. easier when you think about it i mean i can't even remember what i was doing at 8 and you know i was just playing rec baseball or whatever but just you know as you said you never you don't know you have no idea what the heck's going off um you know off the field you're just there's a ball and it's us against them and you're just trying to have some fun. You're an eight year old kid. So exactly. it's, it's impressive that you, you were able to take it as far as you were, obviously with your lineage, with your father playing professionally, I'm sure that didn't hurt at all. Um, but I mean, at eight, clearly you, sh somebody saw something that they said, Hey, let's, let's, let's see what Gary has to do uh, for the next few years. So as you said, you did have that injury, uh, which is unfortunate at 22, which is very, very, I mean, I'm 28 now and I'm still don't know what the heck I want to do with the rest of my life. I can only imagine at 22, assuming you're going to play soccer for a long time. And unfortunately that coming to an end, at what point did you decide coaching and, and development and helping others within the sport was the right move for you? 
Well, I think it, it, it obviously as a result of the injury. Um, you know, I, I was I was the same as you know a lot of kids that in injuries have happened to. You know, I thought once I'm once I'm going to be a, a soccer player, I knew I knew how difficult it was going to be anyway. I was under no illusions. You know, I'm more than prepared to work as hard as I could to sort of for, forge a career for myself. Um, and obviously, to have it taken away through an injury was um, was a real bitter pill to swallow. Um, I had intense. Um, rehab uh, with with the 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 national rehabilitation centre, which uh, it was a place called Lillishaw at the time, um, still exists now. But obviously they've got St George's Park now with the uh, with the Na- England national teams, um, and that was the national rehab centre. And I was I was really interested in the sort of rehab and how the process took place, and you know where I was at a particular point and where I was sort of moving further down the line. I was really interested in uh, the physio therapy side of things um i was also working with with adidas at the time um on some coaching qualifications that we had to do um as part of like that youth training so you know i kept that up and i thought you know i've i kind of feel as though i've got some kind of unfinished bit unfinished business if you like um in the game and then it really started from there i got a couple of opportunities spoke to a couple of clubs and um i started working with uh, with bolton wanderers and i, I got the bug for it and sort of developed my coaching qualifications through Bolton over to the States for um, for a couple of summers. There was, I was there for an extended period of time. I think the first time I was there for nine weeks, something like that. And it was just to get, you know, the feel of di- working with different sort of cultures and different uh, age ranges, which, you know, is one of the biggest things, especially when you're, you know, working on youth development, is to have the sort of experience of working with, you know, all age ranges and all abilities. Um, and then I come back and I, and I got the opportunity to actually coach professionally with uh, with Oldham Athletic. And I've been there ever since, sort of 2002, 2003, I think it was when I actually uh, started there. And obviously, you know, you, you, you learn on the shop floor. Mm-hmm. You've got, you might have coaching qualifications, very similar to, you know, your driving test. Once you're actually out on the road, that's when you really learn to drive. You know, so I absolutely love it. I've got, you know, I, I got the bug back pretty quickly. Um, you know, once I started seeing some of the boys who we'd coached have success, you know, it made it sort of firmed it even more that, you know, this is definitely a career that I, that I want. You know, I've got um, I've got a, a lot, you know, a good network of um, of people across across the world now. You know, in terms of being able to, you know, ask them, you know, their advice or vice versa, or you know, ask their advice on certain players. They might have players to bring over to the UK or Europe. So, you know, it sort of developed from there. And, is you know, the opportunities that have come away from football through coaching um, has been in- incredible. So, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful that I stayed I stayed in the game in some capacity. At least. Yeah, I mean, just, just staying in is one of the most important things, right? Just being able to still be around it. Obviously, you can't play it anymore, but quickly we're able to, you know, after the intense rehab that you brought up. Also, I love... Hate the way America says Adidas. Love the way the rest of the world says it. Adidas <laughs> sounds so much cooler. So I need to bring that up. But I think it is, it's just very interesting in, in how you've been able to stay in and still fulfill that side of you because clearly it was very important and has been and will continue to be, it seems like, for the rest of your life. It's just something yeah. that you love to do so much, which is very important. So, you know, being in the being in the coaching game for so long, as you said, that network grows and you start to meet new people and start to do new things. So one of those things um, that we're going to talk about in a second is getting into the handicapping side, obviously, with our good friend, uh, Phil Cash with Flash. Love him. We appreciate him. But 
there was one thing, uh, Phil, actually, I had a conversation with him and he told me, don't forget to ask Gary about transfers and loans because he knows a thing or two about them. Now, being here from the United States, I don't understand how transfers and loans work. It never has made sense to me. You can transfer people within your league and then they can't play against you. If I'm not mistaken, that's happened in the EPL. Uh, just only last week, there was a team that someone had to sit out. So first off, how do you then continue to grow your network to find more and the more and these more and more of these opportunities? And how often do you just say yes to things because they're within the world of football and you just want to continue to expand yourself as much as you can? Mm. Well, I mean, it's, it's in terms of the um, the actual transfer business, it's it's um, it's uh, a volatile part of the game you know, ridiculously volatile. Um, there's a lot of corruption when you're dealing with different cultures and different uh, countries when you're trying to move players and things like that. So first of all, you know, you, you've got to, you, you get burnt a few times, you know, obviously that's that's business, but, you know, you learn the, the, the right people to, to stick with and the right people to sort of work with as well. Um, you know, you might not always work with the people that you, you, you take advice off, but, you know, you build a trust up and it, you know, trust. There's there's not a great deal of trust in um, mm-hmm. you know in in the business on the business side of football over over in Europe or across the world really. Um, so in answer to your first question, the so a transfer is basically you can you can transfer. We have two transfer windows typically. So we have um, a winter transfer window, which is basically the whole of January. There's a window open, and you can buy players from anywhere in the world for a period of one month. Um, it's, pro- it's not the best window actually the summer window is obviously the best one because there's a lot of players who if they move in January and they've played for you know their previous team in say the Champions League or the Europa League then they're inel- ineligible for the rest of the tournament you know so there's not really a, a great deal of business that happens in the um, in the January window the summer transfer window typically um, is is basically July and August although officially it's you know, the whole of August business is already done, you know, at, by the end of May. So, you know, there's, there's lots of rumors flying around throughout the season and things like that. So, you know, once a player is identified, um, you know, for example, Jaden Sancho at the moment, who's playing in, uh, in Dortmund, Borussia, you know, there's talk of him coming over to, to Manchester United, um, having left Man City only a couple of years ago, you know, uh, I think that the, the transfer fee is somewhere in the, the area of a hundred million pounds, you know, he's, he's still a kid, but he's an English kid, you know. So then, you know, with them being English, playing abroad, um, you know, with the sort of hoo-ha that, that, that comes around, you know, an English player these days, uh, you know, that will add 10, 15, 20 million pounds to a deal. Um, you know, there's all sorts of different agents that get involved. Um, you know, obviously you have to be authorised, you have to be mandated to, um, to, to, to move or even talk to a player, but, you know, let alone to move them. So there's there's all there's there's so many sort of mitigating factors um, that can help a deal or or break a deal. Um, you know, so it's something I mean, we we were involved with um, the the transfer from so Manchester. So when United. you say when you say we were involved, what exactly what exactly are you doing to be involved in these? Just to so, just to clarify, sorry. Yeah. So basically, um, one of one of my business partners here, um, he's um, an ex Premier League player an ex-England international France car, um, extremely well connected across the world. Um, he's worked quite hev- quite heavily with uh, a lot of French agents. And, um, you know, I'm clo- I've am i always been close to the people at Man U. 
Um, you know, so there was a club in in uh, in in France, Lyon, who were really interested in um, Rafael, the Brazilian right back, um, a number of years ago. Now I think it's four or five years ago. You know, so we facilitated, we arranged for everything to uh, for the guys to come over, airport drops, picks, bring them to to Carrington. The deal was done, and then obviously uh, Rafa went to. Um, Went to Leon, I think it was for I don't think it's fifteen million pounds, something like that. Um, you know, so basically it wasn't a, it wasn't a representation deal for anything like that with us. You know, we we sort of link players and clubs and agents and things like that. You know, because obviously that's not my job. You know, my job isn't to sort of negotiate. My job's to link people. Um, you know, and that's that's what we did. Um, when you're talking about the um, the, the the loan situation so a player can be loaned or borrowed if you like to uh to any other club i think you, you alluded to it a second ago it was, it was dean henderson uh the goalkeeper at chef united who is actually under contract with manchester united however he's on a season-long loan so the 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 rule is that you do not play when you're playing against your parent club um you know so the loan window used to be sort of any time you can have emergency loans you know say you've got two goalkeepers in your squad both are injured what are you going to do so, you know, there's emergency loans and, you know, certain criteria that if, if you meet mm. that, then an emergency loan's granted, um, you know, but what they've tried to do now is keep the loan windows in line with the transfer windows, you know, because otherwise it'll make a mockery. Well, we'll, we'll take we'll take Sergio Aguero on loan and we'll buy him at the end of the season. You know, that's not really going to happen. So, you know, I think the smart move, the sensible move was to sort of bring them bring them in line. So, you know, loans are, loans are really good for young players, really good for young players, Um you know, lads like maybe Phil Foden, who's flying at Man City at the moment. He's only 17, 18 years old. You know, now his pathway would probably be, you know, typically to go out on loan to a championship club or, a, um, you know, a League One club championship, probably more often than not. You know, cut his spurs there for a season and then come back and then get into the uh, Man City first team. Like a lot of players did with Derby County last year when Frank Lampard was in charge. You know, that he he borrowed or loaned a lot of players from Chelsea and they've gone back to Chelsea and this season they've kicked on and they've sort of progressed in the first team. So, you know, that's um it's a brilliant window for you know for the kids, but not necessarily for um, you know, for any of the superstars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I apologize when I when I I cut you off before you were in the middle no, of the sure, sure. I, I just wanted to make sure I just understand exactly what your role in this was. But you were telling us a little story about uh, Manchester United, if I'm not mistaken. You were talking about uh, a player that you helped facilitate the transfer for, and it looked like it was going to be pretty juicy. So if you want to bring that story back up, I wouldn't mind listening to it some more. Yeah, well, like I say, that's 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 what was um, I was talking about. It was it was Raphael from um, from oh, Manu okay. to, to Leon. Um, you know, that was, that was, um, that should have been a really easy deal to do, you know, but there, there was another agent who got involved and, the, and there was, you know, there was money paid to him and, you know, he didn't, he did absolutely nothing in the deal, you know, and, and I think, it, you know, he ended up being set up for life. So, you know, that was another, that was another sort of eye opener, um, you know, which, which was another reason why we really gave the, um, the Academy in Toronto a go that was speaking about off air, um, you know, in terms of making sure that we, control and facilitate everything that happens in a kid's career you know because we've got proven pathways you know there's nobody else going to be involved nobody's going to be charging them fees for, for this that and the other you know um so it's it, like i say it's it's a, it's a an eye-opening world the other side of the, the the soccer fence for sure i can i can only imagine i mean we uh the there's a lot going on in the world of soccer and it's, it's fun to watch. I, I enjoy it. I mean, we obviously have, uh, you know, 
Man City, they're 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 going through their entire thing right now. So we're going to see what the heck happens with all that. Uh, they did some illegal stuff. Quick Google search. You can figure it out pretty quickly. I yep. think there's a $80 million number. That's just kind of, there's a rounding error somewhere yep. that some people are going to be a little angry about, but uh, thank you for that. I appreciate the explanation on transfers and loans. And I hope everybody else listening of the American audience that doesn't know too much. Hopefully they get a little information from that as well, but let's get into the handicap handicapping a little bit. So your handicapper with uh, our friend, Phil cash to flash over at uh, pro soccer weekly. How, how did you get into handicapping? Like how, how does, how does somebody approach you like that? Especially considering the first time you probably hear about it, you think sports betting and you're like, well, I'm involved with these players. So I really can't do that hands off. Like how, how did this, uh, how did Phil approach you or how did you eventually get into the, uh, the, the, the sport of handicapping? If I may. Well, Phil, Phil, I feel like I've known Phil all my life. I've known him less than 12 months. Um, one of the projects that um, Eric, who you'll speak to yep. um, very soon. One of the projects that we're involved in is um, a sports academy um, with uh, owned by Jay Fiedler and Scott Fiedler. Uh, obviously, Jay was a Miami Dolphin quarterback. Um, they have the sport, uh, the sports academy at Brookwood Camps up in Glen Spain, New York. And I was due out on the 4th of July last year, but I couldn't figure my schedule out. So I had to come out the following week and Eric spent the first week there without me and obviously met Phil. Um, told me all about Phil, so I was keen to get over and have a good chat with him. And you know, the the rest is history. Really, he uh, he approached us probably December time and said, "I've got an idea." He's obviously you know sent us links to his tennis podcast and things like that. Um, and he explained that it's going to be a sort of handicapping um, podcast on on the soccer in the soccer world. You know, obviously, I, I, there's nothing we can do in terms of you know betting and things like that. We're obviously not allowed to do that. It's more of an advisory role. Um, based on the leagues that I'm really familiar with over here. Um, so I'll do a lot of research for, for Phil and Eric and obviously, you know, base my my research for them on the facts that, that I'm seeing, you know, live every day. Mm. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been it's been really interesting. It's been it's been great to actually see, you know, the, the soccer world in a different light. You know, I've 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 spent more more time on the Bundesliga and the Liga in the last three, four, five weeks than, you know, I have in the last three, four, five years, you know, obviously looking at the stats and the, and the, the trends and whatever news is coming out. And, you know, it's been really good from an analysis point of view. You know, we do a lot of anal analysis on single games over here, you know, but it's been good to actually cover leagues in general. I think we started with the Belarusian league because they were the only guys who were playing, you know, the rest of the world was closed and these guys are still playing every week. So we had a bit of fun with that tinkering with it but no i think it's, it's fantastic it's it's uh, you know i really like being part of the um the podcast you know and obviously it's getting a lot of traction at the moment you know because the the obviously the picks that these guys are promoting are, are doing really well you know so it can only get better once you know once we once we really have a proper hit at it you know i think phil phil as a host is absolutely fantastic you know he's a such an easy guy to talk to on and off uh the field as we say you know so it was something that i'd be you know, I, I said to him, I'd be really keen to get involved and obviously give whatever advice I can. Um, you know, and thankfully so far, it's gone it's gone well. That is awesome. Phil's a great guy. And if I could be the host that he is, I can be one-tenth the host he is one day. Um, <laughs> he's, got, he's got a couple years on me, so I'll give him that. And he's got a, yeah, yeah, a, few, a few more shows. I've done a few, I've, I've done a couple, uh, but I feel like he's got me by a few, few uh, hundred thousand at that point. But so with that, <laughs> with that, I mean, I guess, what what is it like for you uh, you know, again, being here in America, sports betting just became legal within the last couple of years. I'm actually here in New Jersey, so it was a little bit more 
Um, it was a little quicker over here in New Jersey than it was in other parts of the country. And it's slowly trickling. In the UK, it's I'm not going to sit here and say that it's, you, you know, second nature, but it's obviously much more accepted and has been for a very long time. So with an understanding, obviously, that you, you're not allowed to place bets, you haven't, you won't. How how has it been like getting like was it kind of easy for you to kind of just jump into that part of the conversation outside of you know having to study these these new leagues or or study the leagues that you don't pay attention to too much or or was it difficult or did you kind of just roll right into it? Well, obviously when you when you're giving advice on you know which games to 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 pick and bet on, mm-hmm. um, you know for me I th- I just thought it was right who's going to win, uh-huh. you know I didn't understand the uh, the overs the unders you know, the plus, the negatives and, you know, Phil sort of educated us really on, on, you know, which games mm-hmm. to look at and, you know, the, 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 obviously the games that are probably going to make the most money for any, any better, you know? So I think the analysis side of it was second nature because obviously mm-hmm. that, you know, that's something that I do, you know, week in, week out. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the advice is then based on, whatever the um, whatever the uh, the news is or the stats, whatever the stats say, the form, you know, news on players being injured. There's all sorts of, as I said before, mitigating um, factors that go into, you know, the research that we do. Um, in terms of the betting over in the UK, like you say, it is second nature. You know, there, there are betting shops all over, you know, all over the country and, and you know, there's tens of thousands of them, I, I would think, where you can just pop in, pick a coupon up, um, fill in the, you know, obviously the homes, the wins, the, the the draws, the losses, you know, two from each section or whatever it may be, you, you know, your trebles, your quadruples, you know, so there's a, there's a, a lot of people make a lot of money over here. There's, you know, horse, horse is a huge over here as well. You know, there's a lot of uh, professional horse, horse betters, um, you know, so we, it's not something I've ever done. It's not something I've ever done, obviously, you know, being in the professional game, you know, it's something that I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anyway. You know, but it's been really good in terms of having a look at the, the you know, the, like I say, the stats and, and and forming a little a basis of advice for for Phil and Eric, which has been uh, it's been really interesting. And has have have you seen you know only doing this a few weeks now? Like, have you what have you seen in terms of yourself and and looking at games differently again? As you said, not really watching La Liga too much. You've paid attention to it more in the last five weeks than you have the last five years Bundesliga as well. Has that done any freeing thing for you in terms of? Your, your soccer knowledge or your ability or, or looking at things in any different type of way? Yes, yeah, certainly. We have, um, obviously, you know, the biggest thing is there's, there's no crowds, you know, so you can actually hear what the players and the coaches are actually saying. Um, it's what, what Sky Sports are doing over here at the moment and the Bundesliga, they're actually sort of replicating crowd noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're doing that the, here the, too. Yeah, so, but, but you can actually turn that off. Oh. You know, so, you, yeah, you can turn that off here. That's so, cool. Can hear absolutely everything, you know, and you, you have you have um, you have a sort of a central camera which is basically above the whole field, you know, which you can watch the whole game from. It's not just you know the players on the ball or where the ball's going, areas of the field. You can actually get a full overview of every single player on the field, and that's been that's been invaluable, you know, in terms of what what we look for and how certain attacks. And the patterns are, are, are created and things like that, and obviously where mistakes are made defensively, who's out of position, you know, it's 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 fun. It's a fantastic tool. It really is. You know, it goes on a lot of websites that you have to pay for in terms of getting the games back. But at the moment, we we can see absolutely everything. You know, so that's been really interesting to uh, to see. And obviously, you know, seeing seeing injuries, how injuries happened. 
you know, somebody running sprinting back who was out of position or, you know, a mistimed tackle because they were out of position. You know, you can see absolutely everything. So it covers, I would say, 99% of, you know, what we actually talk about and analyze and implement in our in our uh, in our coaching and our game so it's been it's been fantastic that is awesome man yeah again taking advantage of this time away uh you know in terms of terms of the world kind of turning off for a little while it sounds like you're doing pretty damn well for yourself gary so man this has been this was absolutely fantastic uh gary lewis former professional soccer player in the man U system pro uh, handicapper at pro soccer weekly partner at psa elite coach and development over at apex management pathways gary sincerely sincerely appreciate your time today man pleasure talking to you michael oh well wait where can everyone find you where can everybody find you on the internet in case they need well, they want to ask you some questions. um yeah gary at, uh, at gary afm uk um is is my twitter account and amp underscore football is the uh, is the instagram account and obviously okay. phil nation show um every every thursday with the podcast um you know so we're, we're, we're getting out there, you know, we're, we're finding good platforms and obviously hopefully we'll be working with you guys in the future as well. So, you know, everything's good. I'm looking forward to the future, buddy. Can't wait, my friend. Can't wait. All that information will be in the show notes. So everybody listening, don't worry, go get, click some links down there. But Gary, again, appreciate your time today, buddy. Have a great night. 